First in the morning, SAFM Sunrise with Stephen Grutis. Six minutes now to eight the time. You know the number 086-000-2032. Last week we spoke uh, to a spokesperson for the South African National Defence Force, uh, for the Ministry, uh, I should say the Ministry of Defence, who pointed out, to be with Lamini, I think it was, who pointed out that they are hoping... They are expecting perhaps some kind of announcement in the budget today around the South African National Defence Force, which, as you know, is in the DRC, and particularly around attack helicopters, the Royal Falk helicopters. Now, our soldiers are being deployed to sort of protect people against some of the rebel militia groups there, including the M23. Everyone has told us how important the Royal Falks are. None of them are flying at the moment. There's no other place that we can get attack helicopters from, it would appear. Darren Ulafier is a military expert and director at African Defence. Defence Review. Darren, good morning. Thanks for your time. Good morning. Um, we know that attack helicopters are absolutely vital. I don't know if the minister is going to announce any kind of uh, more money for the Defence Force. I don't know where he would get the money from. But I presume without more money, we can't use the Royal Falk. And without the Royal Falk, our people in the DRC are going to be under extreme pressure. Yes, certainly. Uh, I mean, more money would be a great thing, obviously. We'd hope for it. Um, but even if money is granted, it'll take some time for this to be corrected. I mean, one of the main reasons for the Royal Falk uh, fleet being unavailable, so much as that, the SAF was, does not currently have a contract with the NEL for support. Um, there's currently a dispute regarding how to fund that. So even if money is provided, let's say, you know, uh, in this budget speech, it'll take months and months for there to be a recovery in the numbers of Royal Falks. That means that effectively the troops there are entirely dependent on either the the um, DRC military's aircraft, or hopefully one of the other countries inside like might be able to, to provide their own aircraft. But that seems unlikely right now. We know that, um, and the claim is that Rwanda has been arming the M23. The M23 actually have carried out drone attacks. There's been a report that one of their surface-to-air missiles actually took out a, a UN drone. Um, and yet we know that government has made this decision to deploy our soldiers to the DRC. You suggest we actually need a big public debate about this. What kind of discussion do you think we need to have? Well, yes, I think the first thing to understand is, as you said, M23 is supported by a nation state. It is well equipped. It has modern equipment like drones and for which the SANDF does not currently have counter drone equipment. I mean, most militaries don't. It's a whole new ball game out there. It has superstar missiles. Uh, most of the Air Force's aircraft do not have adequate defenses against that because, again, the budget cuts. Um, and effectively, this is, I mean, has all the hallmarks of turning into a, a, a regional war all over again. Now, the force that's been deployed is relatively small. It's relatively under-equipped. And one has to ask the question of whether it is wise to send a force this small and this poorly supported, given the stakes and given the risks, and whether it might not have been better in this case to go for diplomacy. So I do think, and at the same time, the ESA the government has been relatively coy in terms of information around its deployment. Uh, it certainly hasn't given the same level of information, justification, and guidance as, as it has before. And therefore, I think there is a need for more transparency and at least more of a public debate as to when and where and why and how do we send the SANDF into harm's way? And what do we require in terms of uh, risk levels before doing so? Um, and I suppose, I mean, you talk about diplomacy. Um, from what I understand, I mean, this sort of dispute between the DRC and Rwanda, if we can call it that, I think we can. Um, then we've got, you know, people who make money out of the minerals in the area. This has been going on for a long time. Very difficult to manage diplomatically unless you get security on the ground first, which is sort of kind of what this whole deployment is supposed to do. 
Yes, absolutely. But then it should be larger and better supported. And that should be rolled out, I think, before the deployment happens. You know, in terms of strategy, this makes sense. It makes sense for Static to be supporting the DRC. It makes sense to be trying to obtain some security to the ground. As happened back in 2013, when the FIB, then attached to the UN Peacekeeping Mission, managed to roll back M23 and then force all parties you know, back to negotiating. So from that point of view, absolutely makes sense. But I think we need to bear in mind that M23 is, again, um, you know, not exactly the same as it was back then. It is well equipped. And you have to be serious if you want to have a role in, in, in pushing them back, as was done uh, you know, 10 years ago. Um, SADC is a fairly big group. I mean, there's certainly more to it. It can deploy more than just a brigade, which is what's, what's been deployed at the moment. Therefore, I think um, we also need to ask that serious questions about, well, what's happening with the rest of SADC? What support is being provided, for example, by Angola, by Botswana, and all the rest? Um, this is a very serious issue. It's, it's a very worrying issue. And yes, we certainly have an interest in ensuring security, but the means by which it's being done is very important. Okay, so if we have a, a force, a South African force in the DRC that is not strong enough, what's likely to happen is more attacks like we saw on our soldiers, our soldiers get killed. And then in a democracy, um, people will say, well, why are our soldiers there in the first place? Domestic pressure will, will sort of grow for them to come home. Um, and that means that civilians in the DRC in a, are in a much more vulnerable position and Rwanda uh, gets what they want. Yes, I mean, something else to bear in mind in the context is that uh, there were two other forces in the DRC that have now, or are in the process of leaving, or have already left. One was the East African Standby Force, which effectively this force is, is replacing. The other, of course, is the UN mission itself. So with those two gone, uh, and this force being relatively small, you have relatively fewer resources available, um, not just you know to counter rebels, but just as a means of protection in certain areas for um, people who are vulnerable, people who are displaced, and all the rest. So given that, and Given how, I mean, to be clear, I'm not saying this will go terribly. I'm saying the risk is very high, and I don't believe the risk has been adequately handled. So if that goes as badly as, as it might go, as, as it went back in 2013 initially, then yes, people are, are, are far worse off. Darren Oliver, thank you. Military expert and, and director at African Defense Review.